I hate to see Frankie lose two big ones on his, you know. I know. We'll see. I know that would that would hurt me too. We'll see. But I mean, that said, of the choices, like of him fighting Connor and retiring versus him trying to go up the ranks in 135 against all those fast guys, those fast younger guys, I guess I'd rather have watch him fight Connor and then go, you know, go home. Let me ask you an important question, Nick. Uh, when watching yeah. Frankie Edgar, whether it be an interview or a fight when he's coming into the ring or when he's literally exchanging fisticuffs, do you ever just get this urge to want to hug him? No. Oh, right. No, me, me, but he's me, my favorite me fighter. I mean, me, I thought, me neither. Yeah. I, I, I don't want yeah. to hug Frankie Edgar. I don't know why you bring that up. That was super weird. I'm not going to ask any questions about this because, frankly, I don't think I could handle your answer. I, I'm not sure what you mean. I, 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 I agree with you. I wouldn't want to hug him either. Now I know it. I worked his nickname in as a pun to make it even more awkward. You know what? We're just going to call it a show. I would want to nuzzle my cheek against his neck, though, just one time. Jesus Christ, Stan, stop it. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is Stan Drive here with the Sharpie to my President Trump, Nick Rocher. How are you, buddy? I'm doing okay, Stan. How are you doing? Just barely making a buy. Yeah, I know. I'm actually feeling. doing great. I know Life's that feeling, great. though. I know that feeling. I feel that, Nick. You're in a grind right now. You are writing a book. You're recording a podcast. You uh, have a full-time job, and you've got a couple side projects, too. It is a lot on your plate, and uh, that's why we appreciate you coming here every week, Nick. The dozens and dozens of our fans. Oh, I think you appreciate it because you've been kicking my ass for about two months, and I was so close last week. I was so close in Mexico City. I had you on the Peterson Bravo fight. I had you. I thought I had you on Grasso Esperanza, but to her credit, Carla Esperanza gutted that one out, and then I had another fight that that other fight ended in a draw the dagestani fighter oscar unpronounceable last name again no offense oscar i think yeah no 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 unpronounceable last name no offense um uh, nick in in this case his name is oscar oscarov it it may as well be john johnson oh okay oscar oscarov um in his fight with brandon moreno hell of a fight ended in a draw we almost had two two draws on the main card. Very close. Um, one of the judges yeah, I, had, I had Esperanza Grasso in a main card. And those were two fights where we had different picks. And they both, uh, well, one, none of, neither of us won. And the other one went your way just by it. Just by the tiniest hair on Carla Esperanza's arm. So congratulations again. But I, uh, I really thought I had you. I think both could have gone either way. I do feel good about both Moreno and Grasso. I, I think I can make a pretty solid argument for them both winning. Grasso, you know, she came alive at the middle portion of that fight just a little bit, but really came alive in the third round when Esparza was tired. And that seems to be the case every time you had a fighter from New Mexico or from some elevation region in Mexico. They tended to take over in that third round regardless of what was happening in the first two. This was the case here. I thought Esparza looked really sharp early on, landing heavy hands on her. She got takedowns in that first round. And then that second round, she hurt her, if I remember correctly, and got a couple of takedowns as well, although that one was more competitive. Again, two two close fights. I think Brandon Moreno got screwed, honestly. I know you believe, you believe that Oscar Oscarov won that one. I'm- well, I could see it being... I mean, I think it, I don't have a I don't have a real problem with a draw. I didn't think he did enough damage for a 10-8, and I gave I gave Oscar the first and the second. 
Um, I didn't think that um, I didn't think that the Flash knockdown was was quite enough to win the round, but I've got to rewatch it. Let's. We haven't talked about the main event though. Let's talk about that awesome well, the main, main event. event. Barely happened. Yeah, but I'll tell I'll tell you what it did. Not that I I wasn't that much of a fan beforehand, but I won't be rooting for A.A. Rodriguez again. Yeah, he didn't come off too good there, and, and came the off Mexican terribly. He's still coming off. Either. He's still coming off terribly. I agree. I've been following it to some extent. So what happened was, in case uh, some of you folks didn't quite see the 15-second fight, Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens came out and met in the middle of the ring, uh, in the middle of the octagon. Yair Rodriguez threw two or three of the fastest kicks I think I've ever seen in, in the sport, and then kind of pushed his hand out at Jeremy Stevens to create distance so that Stevens wouldn't be able to counter with a big right or left hand, which he's known for. And that kind of shoved by Rodriguez into Stevens' face, uh, he ended up grazing both of his eyes with two of his fingers. And one of Stevens' eyes apparently felt badly enough not to continue. Herb Dean did a great job of giving him all the time in the world. And I think a lot of referees don't do it. They, they tend to rush him, especially when it comes to eye pokes. Uh, I don't know if the rules specifically allow for a five-minute break. But Herb Dean did his thing. And I, th- I thought he did a great look. I mean, if it, wasn't for, if it wasn't Jeremy Stevens in this position, I think a lot of people would have questioned whether or not this was legitimate. And, I mean, it turned out to not be a big deal at all, which, you know, doesn't bode well for him on paper. But his reputation goes a long way, and almost everybody believes that Jeremy Stevens was genuinely hurt. And you're right. Like, his, what reason does his he eye, have? You heard the, everyone heard the doctor say his eye is spasming. He couldn't open his eye. It was, it was, it was spasming. Like, he did not have he, – he, he had no control over it. There's nothing the guy – I mean, I'm not the – listen, Jeremy Stevens has done some things in his, in his life that, that make him prob- maybe not the best person. I do not question um, his ability to do the walk, get in the cage, and fight. I don't think that guy's ever begged out of a fight. I agree. And he's gone down on his shield, you know? I'm not doubting him by much. The only reason to doubt Jeremy Stevens would be the fact that Yara Rodriguez threw two, two, two kicks in the first couple seconds – they were extremely fast. They both landed clean. Uh, that's. I don't think that's a reason to doubt him. He's been in there. He's been in there with tougher, t- tougher, nastier, harder hitters. I, I'm not saying we should doubt him, but I do think it's worth exploring because Yair Rodriguez has made that accusation. He's he's alluded to the fact that he believes that Jeremy Stevens kind of quit. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of reason outside of just those couple of moments. Uh, but on paper, yeah. the fight looks like this: Jeremy Stevens threw zero strikes and landed zero. Yair Rodriguez. Threw and landed 100% of his strikes. He did. He threw, two, only two he threw two or three <laughs> strikes. I just don't think – I think that – I, I think he couldn't, I, I I think he couldn't open his eye. I think that's it. Uh, I'm there with you. And, and then what happened was uh, Jeremy Stevens, you know, couldn't confirm that – like he couldn't even open his eye. So even if he said, I'm okay to fight, it wouldn't have mattered, right? You have to be able to at least open your eye whether you can see with it or not. Correct. Uh, he wasn't able to open his eye. The fight was stopped. And Yair Rodriguez – you know, acted as if Jeremy Stevens quit after getting roughed up for a bit. And the crowd was pretty pissed off. And I think part of that is because Alexa Grosso in the fight before that lost. Brandon Moreno got a draw instead of a win. Uh, so the, the crowd was kind of riled up a little bit leading into the main event. And then the main event not happening and being over in 15 um, seconds. Also, Yaya Rodriguez made it worse. He did. He, he, he kind of uh, poured, uh, He kind of cheered the crowd on. He, inci- he and, incited it. Instead of doing what GSP or like a, or a classy competitor would do, which would be to show respect and apologize, respect to their opponent, wish him well, and uh, you know, and apologize to the crowd. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He's the one that broke like, the rules. I well, I don't, I don't think he broke any rules. 
Oh, you're uh, allowed. You're allowed to poke people in the eye. Oh, that's what you mean. I'm sorry. I thought I thought you meant with the crowd. Uh, no, you're, you're not allowed to. Poke no, he acted. He acted like um, he acted like a shithead with the crowd. But he, but he, you're he's right. the one who. And, he's and the even one afterwards. And afterwards, and I and another reason to like Michael Bisping, who's grown on me uh, considerably over the last five or six years, was was uh, um, Rodriguez kind of like, you know, pulled away and like, you know, raised up on Bisping, and Bisping didn't flinch. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen Bisping uh, clock him, but you know what? He probably would have poked Bisping in the eye too, and he's had he's had enough problems in that department. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, Bisping actually handled it well, and he spoke Very about well. it after, and, and yeah, apparently, uh, Yara Rodriguez said, said a, a sentence in Spanish involving the word puto. Yes, I to... heard, I heard that to Bisping, and I, I was looking for a translation online, but I couldn't find one. I know what that, I know what that word means. Yeah, the, 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 there was, the, the, it was all insulting, I'll, I'll put it to you that way, and yeah, it, it, look, it seems like Rodriguez was emotional, it seems like he was excited, and there is that side of him, and I, th- I think we've heard about it a little bit here and there in his negotiations with the UFC. You know, you've seen that side of Yara Rodriguez um, little bits and pieces before, even though he uh, portrays himself as a very kind of even-keeled, very by-the-book, very, very straight guy. He does have a little bit of a dark side to him. He's a super talented guy. Uh, I'm not going to hold it you know, too hard against him. Do I think that he made things a little bit worse than they would have been? Yes. Do I think that he started it and incited it? No. I, I-, I think... I think Part of it for him was the crowd is disappointed and that pisses me off because this is my home city and I was supposed to perform in the main event and this was my opportunity and and the crowd feels ripped off. And like that that's kind of part of what made him upset, I think. And he did rile up the crowd. You're right. And that's not okay. Um, I, I don't blame him, though, for not wanting to take a rematch against Jeremy Stevens. And I'll tell you why. Jeremy Stevens is ranked below him. Um, he's not as highly regarded as him. Why you know you know that he took it though right? There are they they're scheduled. They're fighting a a co-main event three round fight in like three weeks. Oh great! You know what? If he's not spending another three or four month training camp on it, no, it's it's, uh, it's in three weeks. They they're replacing. There was a fight that uh, recently that fell off of a card. Uh, oh, he's re- they're replacing the Zabit Qatar uh, Qatar fight. That's right. So it's on that card. So it'll be th- it'll be th- it'll be three rounds. Yeah. But like I, you know what? I also want to point out that arguably, depending on how many rounds you gave him before the um, his uh, Nola KO of Korean Zombie, and it's possible he he didn't. It was a close fight, but it's possible he was getting shut out. He hasn't won a friggin' round since January 2017 against BJ Penn, and if we go before that, the last rounds that he won were in August 2016 when he won a split decision against Bruce Leroy. So, slow your fucking roll, Yaya Rodriguez. Uh, he knocked out Chan Sung Jung. He did, but I'm not convinced he was... I'm not con- it was great KO. I'm not convinced he was winning a round before that happened. Totally. He got a spectacular knockout. Let's not pretend like he hasn't had a win in a no, couple No, he years, did. But I hear it you. was a great knockout, but he hasn't... But he ha- it's not what I'm saying. He hasn't, owned, he hasn't owned a round that wasn't against BJ Penn. I... In three I, I, years, I, I, I do, I, I do believe he won at least one round over Chan Sung Jung. Probably, it, it was like very a close. Beating by any means. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was it very was, close. Was but overall... there's been lots of competitive fights that are forty, that are fifty forty five. Yeah, and, and th- that's true. I, I do think he earned himself at least one round in that fight. And again, he got a spectacular knockout. He did. 
you know, I, I think focusing on the Frankie Edgar fight and the fact that he fought BJ Penn and kind of discounting everything that happened for, uh, between 2017 and 2019 is. Oh, you mean him. you mean when you he, mean when Frank you mean when Frankie Edgar smashed a guy that weighs 125 pounds soaking wet smashed his brain into the canvas. Hey, he was the 155 pound champion. I know, but he's a little guy, and he just schooled. He's anyway. I'm not a I'm I'm not a big Yair Rodriguez fan. I want to see his I want to see him get his face smashed by Jeremy Stevens. I don't know if it'll happen, but it's probably not going to happen by Jeremy Stevens in a three round fight. Yeah, I think I think you're Mexico. right. I think the three rounder definitely favors Rodriguez all the more. He's the much faster man. He's going to be fast, especially in the first half. Leagues faster. Of a 25 and younger. Fight. Here, yeah. that's basically the entire bout, right? So Stevens is going to have 10 less minutes to land that crushing shot. But Stevens does have some serious power, explosiveness, and a certain grit about him that certainly makes it a possibility. Like a shark can taste your blood, he, he can smell that weakness. He's got excellent finishing instincts. I expect that he could finish if he hurts him once. I, I just don't know that he will hurt him, especially in the first couple of rounds where Yari Rodriguez will be extremely fast. Yeah, I'm looking at the scorecard, the Rodriguez, Chancellor Young scorecard, and one judge had it, uh, one judge had going into the fifth, uh, one judge had it three to one Korean zombie, the next judge had it three to one Korean zombie, and the other judge had it two two. Yeah, so he certainly won a round. But yeah, yes, he, he certainly he, won a round. He, he lost. He lost three rounds. He won one round, and he got a spectacular knockout. Yeah, he did. That's really all that mattered there. Um, an exciting back and forth fight, by the way, with a high level guy. A high level guy, I would say, with Jeremy Stevens. Uh, I would put Jung just one step above Stevens uh, when it comes to that 145 pound division. Like I said last week, Nick, man's lost to 16 guys. Oh yeah. No, I. Oh, I. I agree there. I'm just, I just don't think Gary Rodriguez is any world beater, and I'm really disgusted with how he behaved. Yeah, he, he didn't, yeah, Rodriguez didn't come off looking like a good person in this situation at all. And especially, like, I saw some of the social media interactions he's had with fans since who've called him out on it. And he's just digging in, he's staying defiant about it. Uh, again, I wouldn't have blamed him had he not wanted to take that rematch, you know, in four or five months and waste another, like, literally waste a whole year of his career. On Jeremy Stevens' matchup, which wouldn't do anything for his career, really, if you think about it, right? It's all risk and very little reward in this matchup. I, you know, I, I wouldn't have blamed him if he, if he moved on to greener pastures. But I think a short-term rematch is best case. Uh, three weeks of his career is perfectly fine. He's going to take less damage in three-rounder. And if he can beat Jeremy Stevens in three rounds, he can move on to a bigger matchup by the end of the year if he wants to. So yeah, uh, it's I'm in, it's in Boston at the TD Garden on the 18th of October. And you know what? No hometown advantage for either guy. I can appreciate that. And I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, in Boston, of all places in the entire country, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a place that they would actually throw shit at Rodriguez on the way in, on the way out. Uh, me. It's possible. Maybe. It's, 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 it's possible. Given the heel turn that he's kind of taken, there's a lot of hardcores in that crowd, uh, with Jeremy Stevens being a proud American, and I'm sure he's going to bring that flag in with him. Uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I can see something going off here. There's bad blood here. There's, there's shit talk. Uh, I'm looking forward to the matchup, all the more, quite frankly. It's unfortunate that it's going to be only three rounds, though. Carlos Barzo, Alexa Grasso, Nick. Alexa Grasso dominated that third round. First two rounds were fairly competitive. I, I must have missed about a minute or so of the, of the first round watching it live, Nick, because I remember watching the first couple of minutes going, holy shit, Esparza's just like way better than her standing up, it looks like. She was just landing heavy, hard, hard punches 
on uh, Alexa Grosso early on. I'm not sure if Grosso did a whole lot to come back in that round. Maybe that's why this is such a controversial decision. But Grosso definitely dominated that third round. That second round is probably what's like kind of the most up in the air. And if I remember correctly, Carlos Esparza hurt her in that second round. I, I could be wrong. I know you thought that Esparza deserved. Uh, you thought that Grosso deserved the decision, and I thought Esparza. I thought did. it was really. It was close. I thought it was. It was just super close. I got that one. I'm a little frustrated. Yeah. I lost the pick, but Esparza really impressed me in part because I mean she hasn't had a huge downturn, but after her her the Gadea fight and the Suarez fight, and even like her uh, her random Marcos loss, I just thought. Kind of, I thought that she was kind of going the way that like Tisha Torres has been. I felt like she was too small, too one-dimensional. Man, she showed a lot of grit. She was just tough, and I, you know, I think that she, I think she made. Even though I'm a Grasso fan, I was pulling for Grasso. I came out of that a bigger Esparza fan than I was going in, and I also felt for her. She's, you know, she's partially, uh, she's of Mexican, Ecuadorian, um, and Irish descent. Um, so you've got someone with some Mexican blood in there and they were th- pouring beer on her and throwing shit out her on her way out. And all, sh- all, th- all she did was, um, show incredible courage and tenacity and resourcefulness in, uh, in getting out of that arm bar in, in not panicking when she was badly rocked and figure like managing to keep, um, you know, keep Grosso concerned about the takedown um and to keep enough distance um when she was vulnerable i thought that she is amazing as grazo's third round was the uh the survival skills um and fortitude of esparza were equally important you know i think it was a it was just a i'm sorry grazo lost great fight for everyone though everyone everyone came out of that fight looking better both competitors and a great fight for the fans except that they Poured fucking beer on Carla Esparza, which is disgusting. I agree that that was pretty fucked up. The fans did not look good here. They actually made a lot of these Brazilian favela crowds seem really cordial and inviting, <laughs> which is saying something considering those people chant for your death as you face one of their hometown fighters. I'm told I'm told Mexico City is extremely cosmopolitan and progressive. Oh yeah. So I I don't know I don't know what what the fans are up to or who was in the crowd. Yeah, when it comes to Mexico in general, there's a certain authenticity that they expect from any fighter claiming to be Mexican. Like, if you don't speak Spanish really well, you're not looked at the same. There's a reason that Canelo Alvarez is such a superstar in boxing, and he pulls all the. Uh, besides the fact that he's a he's a he's a handsome, exciting, successful fighter. Um, yeah, but he looks like he looks, series... he looks like fucking Opie Taylor though. <laughs> He, yeah, he looks yeah, like but, Ron but, Howard, but he's—I mean, he's yeah—he's fluent Spanish speaker. But, but he's, but he's, yeah, but he's got the Mexican crowd on his side. Oh, definitely because of how, because he speaks Spanish. He's from there. An American Mexican is not the same, especially if you're mixed with others. When it comes to that crowd, it's always been this way in boxing. And shoot, Nick, maybe the more refined Mexican combat sports fans are into boxing. That's what I was just maybe thinking. We're getting all the leftover. Or yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're. I don't know what we're getting. But I, what I do know is I watched lots of. Like, I watched all the Eric Morales and uh, Miguel Antonio Barrera, uh, you know, uh, boxing matches. And I, I don't know. I've never, I don't remember seeing the boxing crowds behave that way. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't remember it in Mexico anyway, either. I right. will say, though, I, I picked uh, Carlos Parza 
I think for good reason. I thought that she had a very, very close fight with Claudio Gadelia and looked really good throughout that fight, including standing up. She even knocked down Claudia once. She got screwed against Randa Marcos, right? And outside of those two fights, her only losses are to Joanna Janjacek and Tatiana Suarez. Yeah. Like, not fucking bad. This chick really, truly is elite, and you're right. She's small for the division. She I is. I think a lot of it for me was pounds. was what remembering... I mean, remember, like, she came in with the strap off of the show, and Joanna, Ch- yep. Joanna Champion just murdered her. Just sliced, yeah, a lot of sliced her up and made her look really one-dimensional, and I, I feel like I didn't quite shake that impression, and it's not entirely fair. She very much fought, like, not herself in that one, Nick. She... Clearly, Joanna got into her head in a big way. Well, that's like that's understandable. Someone quite like her, absolutely, yeah. And this was back before Joanna really went on that tear. That was that was kind of only I think her third UFC fight, if I remember correctly. Um, she had won. The yeah, first she had fought, she had the split decision against Gadea, and uh, I can't remember if she had a fight before that. Probably won. So yeah, yeah it was her second um, or third so, UFC fight. Jo- yeah, Joanna was able to get into her head, and you can tell that Carla was not Carla. Since then, Carla's actually looked really good. She's, I don't know if she's always been at Team Oyama, but she has grown quite a bit with Team Oyama. Uh, got a lot on, uh, on her striking. From what I understand, she's recently started lifting weights, like he- significantly heavier weights. Um, and that Virna Jandaroba opponent that she fought in her last one, Nick, she was 14 or no. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know much about her, but just looking at her record, she's 14 or no. And that run was in Invicta FC, which is about as high level as it gets when it comes to women's MMA outside of the UFC. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I believe in Carla because I thought she would be able to get takedowns. I've seen Alexa Grasso give up takedowns in the past, and, and, and she did so here um, against Felice Herrig, I believe, against Tatiana Suarez, and now against Carla Esparza. All three of her UFC wins, all three of, I'm sorry, losses, all three of her losses, period, are because she gave up takedowns. Uh, Carla Esparza, if you ask me, though, looked pretty damn good standing at some points in this fight. She couldn't in the long term, right? Carla Esparza has probably like a level two stand-up ability where she can throw shots and she can flip your offense and counter, but she can't really stay in that, uh, in that stand-up mode without relying on, that, on the ground game. Part of it is mental and part of it is also that she probably doesn't feel too comfortable in the pocket with someone as experienced and so much bigger uh, as Alexa Grasso, her opponent in this case. It sucks that the crowd behaved the way that they did, but I'm, I, I am, like, besides the selfish reasons of, uh, once again, uh, beating you in competition, Nick. I- I'm glad Carla Sparza picked up this win. I really do think she's elite. I don't think Alexa Grosso looked bad in this loss. Uh, I-, I look forward to seeing her continue to build off of this. She definitely needs to work on that takedown defense. Quite frankly, I wouldn't complain if both her, Irene Aldana, uh, and Grosso moved to a more elite fight camp. I, I think they're training under Aldana's father or against uh, under Grosso's father, maybe, in, in New Mexico. I-, I think they need to diversify their training a little bit. These are really talented girls, and I feel like this is limiting them. Yeah, I mean, I think Esparza was a little gassed in the third, but Grazo's takedown defense, the technique was there then. It was just, I don't know if it was the strength or the timing, but we'll see. We'll hopefully it, it, she was, it, was, it was the fact that she was exhausted, I think, the fact that Esparza by then yeah. was exhausted. Well, what else we got? Uh, we got Askarov and Brandon Moreno. Yeah, it was exciting. A damn exciting fight, right? Brandon Moreno is like the little engine that could... I not only did I pick him because I thought he was going to be a little overall craftier. What happened was Askarov did one thing well in this fight, and I think it was only one thing. He was able to get takedowns, especially in the first half of the fight. Um, Brandon Moreno not only not only was able to get several turnovers in the first half of the fight, but he got takedowns in the last half of the fight. He face planted him with a head kick. 
he dominated the third round and almost submitted him uh, and seemed like he was about to submit him for about 20, 30 seconds there. I, I think there's a lot going in Moreno's favor for this decision. I, I, I would love to rewatch it with you, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if I agree with you, and maybe it should be Askar's favor, or, or maybe I do agree that it's a draw. What were your thoughts? Um, my thoughts were I thought Oscar looked amazing in the first round. I thought he took Moreno to Suplex City um, with some with some terrific takedowns. I thought that he had a, a very a very fast, not telegraphed uh, front kick. Um, I thought he landed one of them that showed that Moreno had had a uh, some kind of chin because it looked like um, you know. It looked like an Anderson Silva style. It looked like the kind of uh, that kind of like snapping front kick that that just hits you right on the jaw. Uh, that that's felled a lot of guys. Uh, like like Anderson landed on Dan Henderson who didn't fall down, but also on Vitor Belfort who did. Um, and I thought that his stand up looked good. And I thought that the way he got Moreno up against the cage, I was waiting for him to put the legs together because it seemed to me that he picked up a lot of he had a lot of Khabib like techniques. Um, but I thought that he. Uh, you know, there were t- there were times when I-, I thought he could have done a little bit more to secure uh, to secure his position and maybe move Moreno into mount, and he didn't quite uh, he didn't quite do it. But I ga- I had him winning the first nine minutes of the fight pretty clearly, and then you know you said you frame it as he got he- he got a uh, face planted by a head kick. I if I remember it as him kind of catching like half a knee, half a shin when he was going in. And going down, and and going down for a second, but getting right back up. It wasn't like when I think face plant, I think you know Paul Daly, um, Nick Diaz. I think like, whoa, is that dude dead? Like this was a, yeah, it it caught him. For me, this was a little bit closer to like Khabib, Khabib catching Connor, and Connor going down, and then you know, but he never. Oscar's eyes were always fine. He was. He did not. He was not out. He wasn't out of the fight for half. For he wasn't out of the fight for even half a second. I feel like you're giving more credit in this case to Oscar's front kick that landed but did seemingly no damage than Moreno's head kick, which dropped the guy. No, but that was, but that was, that was one significant strike, and he had lost the early, he had lost the first four minutes of the round, and it didn't. I didn't think so that he, I didn't so think he not, was really so you're in not trouble. Counting Moreno's, you're not counting Moreno's takedowns, and you're not counting Moreno's turnovers, right? Moreno's had take in the just, in the second round. He had takedowns and turnovers. Uh, I believe so. I mean, we, we should again. We, we should rewatch. Yeah, we'll watch. I believe so. It was a really close fight, and there's no I, I, doubt. There's no doubt that Moreno skill like schooled him in the third round. I didn't think he did quite enough damage for a ten eight, but de- a very, a very close and a very loose, uh, just on control. I don't know. Um, it, I, I don't know that he needed the ten eight, even though it was a completely, completely, completely one sided round with Askar doing absolutely nothing in the third round. Yep. Um, I don't know that he judges needed the usually. Fact, yeah, judges usually don't give a ten eight for. For like straight, you know, for straight control without any like any substantial ground and pound. Um, well, when you almost finish the guy, they do often enough. But but anyway, that's not the point. MMA decisions has uh, I think every single MMA journalist that watched the fight giving it to Moreno except for one, and that was somebody from MMA Brazil, um, which I'm not actually familiar with. Uh, so, uh, half of these journalists, Nick, gave it to him, thirty twenty seven. A little less than half. I'm looking at it. I I don't know what they're I don't know what they're thinking. I'll I'll watch the fight again. I watched it without sound. I don't know how anyone gave Moreno the first round. That makes no sense to me. Um, 
again, you have to watch the play. I think you're giving too much. Uh, all the and, and he should get credit for those takedowns. Moreno got turnovers, and he got takedowns. Like there was only one thing that Askarov did well. That was takedowns, and they were solid when he got them, right? But Moreno, again, had a knockdown. He had seven minutes of control, not three and a half like Askarov. He got multiple turnovers, and he got a couple takedowns of, uh, himself. Well, yeah, um, that's right, because he, he had five minutes of control in the third round. That means, I believe he had seven minutes of control in the entire fight. Right, so, had, no. so he'd five, let's say if he had five minutes of control in the third round, that means he only had two minutes of control over the rest of the fight. Well, he didn't have five minutes of control. He probably had four minutes in the third round, which At means least. he had three minutes in I the mean, first two rounds. I mean, it felt like he had five minutes in the first two all right. Well, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he did. But, but that, that means he got two and a half, three minutes in the first two rounds, and Askarov had about three and a half minutes of control in the first two rounds. So well, again, it, it, it wasn't like a dominant first two rounds. Um, it, it was competitive, though. I I, I mean, Sal D'Amato was, was a pretty. I mean, two of the two of the three judges gave. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, he's. I mean, I I don't think that Sal D'Amato is a, a bad judge. Um, and Junichiro Kamijo, I've got to look at. They both went ten nine, uh, in rounds one and two for Askarov. So I don't know. I also and they were they're not hearing the commentary. I didn't hear the commentary. All these guys that uh that yeah, you know I, I, vote. I all these guys the judging for Moreno. Heard they're the impressed, row. All these all these guys they're are impressed, all, row. No, these guys are not impressed, well, row. They're I, watching I, I online. They're not bloody elbow and MMA. These these no budget sites are not flying guys down, um to you to might, Mexico City. I, Sure dog, might have. You might be right about some of them. Sure dog, you might be right about some of them, but there's a press row with multiple rows of ESPNs. I mean, Yahoo's Yahoo's there, ESPNs there. Um, you know, some of them are probably there, but the you know they're. But I mean, it's 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 like it's like ten to one, Nick. It's not even when it comes to the journalists, it's not even close. And the argument you're trying to make now is that MMA judges are better judging fights than journalists. I'm not sure that I would agree, especially but, um, when we I'm have not, a, Well, a I'm not sure that what judges. I know is I don't, I'm not looking at judges whose names strike me as traditionally egregious judges. Oh, yeah. By no means is it egregious, Nick. It's not um, – I, I, I am disappointed in the in the draw because I thought Moreno deserved it. it you know, it, it's not a uh, – it's not – those first two rounds scoring for Askarov would not be robberies. Maybe that second round because he got hurt pretty badly. Um, and that usually, by the way, in MMA nowadays, that's enough to win you a round. Like, hurting somebody and having them wobble a bit is not enough, right? Uh, not always, anyway. That's what Uriah Hall was able to do uh, in, in, in that fight from a week or two ago, and you were happy to get that decision. He got dominated <laughs> the majority of the round. You're, look at you. You're, got, all, you're all grumpy because you got it because there was a draw. <laughs> you're, you're, oh, no. I'm, 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 up, I'm up eight events. I am not grumpy, sir. I am oh, up eight events. Sound, I'm doing fine. You, you sound um, – man. <laughs> no, 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 but see, what, no, what I'm saying is you can't have it – What a bully. You, you can't have it both ways. What I'm saying is you can't have it both ways. You can't say Uriah Hall landed a right hand and put him on wobbly legs and won the round just because of that and nothing else, but also that uh, Brandon Moreno lost the round despite the fact that he floored him with a head kick. Like, you well, I thought Uriah, I thought Uriah Hall outstruck him and used a, used a great jab um, for two rounds and looked and looked he fantastic. Got, he got do, he got dominated. He got dominated in the first. Four, I said in the third round, round he got dominated. Yeah, uh, he did get dominated in the third round, but the majority of the first round he domin- he got dominated as well. And then once they got up, and he land- he threw the one right hand that he threw because the guy has low output. He could have probably dominated all three rounds, right? But he threw the one right hand that he threw, and that buzzed him, and that's what won him the round. And very similar situation, except it didn't drop him; it just buzzed him. Moreno well, dropped. We'll need, to, we'll need to rewatch it. We got a lot of other stuff to argue yeah. about in this show. True. 
Jeez. That, that is true. As always. You had, you had, you, you had, that. you had your jolt cola this evening. My goodness. I, I had my what? Sorry. Your jolt cola. You're like all worked up. I don't know who jolt cola is. Jolt cola. It was like a ca- yeah. super caffeine soda. I'm like, this is me being older than you. I'll, I'll jolt say, cola. I thought that yeah. was the name of a guy, Nick. No. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm always high, high energy when it comes to debating Nick. I, uh, I I come in there. Uh, I think I've told you this before. I come in there like Tony Ferguson. Nick, it's just nonstop offense. I'm gonna be very polite to you up until we start debating. But once we're in there, Nick, once we're in that debate, gone. Uh, it it is it is all offense, Nick. It's nonstop. I have I have relentless pressure, relentless cardio. I might even have worse technique. Uh, in other words, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, you're right. You guys have a lot in common. You wear sunglasses inside, and people accuse you of being mentally ill. Well, that is true. I've gotten a lot of accusations, especially by the people closest to me, Sam. Uh, luckily, luckily, I've never allowed myself to be in front of a psychiatrist uh, in order to get an official diagnosis. Nick, so, Irina Aldana, Vanessa Mello. Mello didn't make weight by five There's not. A, there's nothing to talk about in this fight. Aldana, uh, Aldana's, Aldana, Aldana's Aldana good. Dominated. Yeah. I, I agree. Aldana dominated and looked good, and she deserves another top opponent. Uh, I don't think it's fair for her to expect to, to fight Raquel Pennington again, but you know she's got a win over Beth Correa, who picked up a win in this event. Oh, Lucia that how, how annoying Talita was that? Bernardo. How annoying was watching that that awkward goofball dance? Sajara Eubanks, oh, man. man, holy cow! They should have they should have sent Eubanks to Mexico City two years before the fight to get acclimated. No fucking joke. Man. Got, it really has an effect, dude. It's, it's, she it's gassed so hard in that third round. Sure I thought really she, I thought she was going to go in the corner and fall asleep. Oh, it was, it was bad, man. When when you make uh, it, it, it was really bad. When you make Bech Kohea seem like the faster fighter, and you're considered athletic, that is that is not good times. Steven Peterson came through for you, Nick. This is one of the ones that we differed on that you won, uh, or the one that you won. Steven Peterson got a spinning back fist knockout, Nick, as a counter to, to Martin spinning Bravo's back spinning back fist. Yeah, that I'm did. not sure if it's the first time that's happened. I think we may we may have seen it one other time. That was wild, dude. Um, you know, Bravo was had a just a relentless pace and was landing lots of stuff. But credit to Peterson, who did not lose his cool and waited um, and stayed patient and stayed confident and uh, you know weathered the storm, weathered the storm and and found uh, you know found his opening. I don't want to say it was a lucky. Uh, I don't want to say that it was a lucky shot, I mean, but I also I, don't know. I, how, think it was I also don't know fortunate. how you plan for that stuff. That was it. Was just it was just well, crazy. The, the, the spinning back fist is it's rarely a, a super setup, super plan punch unless the really high level striker is doing it. Peterson though threw it really well. Uh, the timing worked out for him because his opponent was literally swinging right into his spinning back fist because yep. he just threw one. Momentum and, uh, meets momentum. There's no way that's. Yeah, and there's no way that Steven Peterson saw that first spinning back fist coming. He just threw it, and it worked out really well. It's not like, you know, again, like, the fight went like I expected it to go up until that shot landed. But, man, to his credit, he landed yeah. it when it counted. Well, Bravo was slowing uh, down Consider, I mean, there was a, a, a marked difference between Bravo's pace in the first and uh, how he looked in the second, I thought. Um, I, I, I don't I thought I thought he was. Bravo? I thought he had slowed. I thought that he had slowed down. Um, uh, you know, a step or two into the second, and that that Peterson was starting to find his his range. I just thought Bravo's pace was incredible in the first round. Yeah, Bravo really only fights like that, and I recognize them both as pressure fighters. One pressure fighter had a record of eleven and three; the other eighteen and nine. 
Um, Martin Bravo won the Ultimate Fighter. He he really truly was, is always offensive. If you watch his fights, like first round to third round, he might slow down a bit. He's continually throwing shit. He just never stops. And I expected that to be more than enough for Steven Peterson, who's not exactly a knockout machine by any means. Uh, but he landed that spinning back fist that had so much torque. Spectacular knockout. I assume he got the $50,000 bonus for that. Well-deserved. Yeah, just as, um, I, just as I predicted, we had that section of last week's show that was edited out when I said, Stan, what's going to happen is he's going to counter a spinning back fist with a spinning back fist. Um, unfortunately, that didn't make it on air for our listeners, but you know I that you know that I that said it. that part out, Nick. I know. I cut it out, motherfucker. I wasn't going to make you look like a genius. Come no, I, it's fine. At least, uh, you know, I know and you know. That's all that's important. <laughs> you, you know what's another way to look like a genius, Nick? Is to outpick me one of these times. Just saying. Oh, I've out, I outpicked you for half the year. So I don't know about that, Nick. Think about it this way. Like I, I know you tell yourself this, and it probably makes you feel good. But hear me out. Um, I was down six events, Nick, which means I've probably won the last like fourteen out of sixteen or seven. And when you and when you were and down, it was a it was, when you were down, it was a pity party every week. And I was kind of nice, and I gave you some freebies, and you've just been relentless. Uh, Nick, borderline. I don't know what you were fucking thinking, man. All right, I'm well. Let's see what happens this week. We got to get to this week's exciting card out of Copenhagen. Yeah, Who, uh, real quick, we, shout out to Angela Hill, uh, Sergio yeah, Pettis, oh, that was Paul fun. Craig. Yeah, the Angela. Yeah, yeah, yeah Paul Gregg got that. Got that. Uh, <laughs> the striker, the Bear Jew striker. Fucking um, a, Nick. And, Did uh, not see that coming. Angie, that you know that fight with Angie was very competitive. That little man, she's. I was like, oh shit, she's carrying too much muscle for uh, you know Angela Hill's opponent. But it's another one of these cases. I got to be careful when I'm watching tape on. Uh, I hesitate to say regional fighters if most of their fights are like in a country like Brazil because it's not like you know they're just fighting in Ohio, but. People who That's people who look like world beaters in videos is like, yeah. Again, though, Nick, Mexico City. I expected Angela Hill to look good in the first round and slowly taper off as the fight went. Angela Hill has seventeen fights under her belt. She looked good. Uh, like fourteen of them at a high level. I think fifteen of them maybe at a high level. Yeah, I just thought uh, this was the kind of Ariana style Pernalosi, to beat her. Yeah, I mean, I I thought she had what it took. I didn't think she would be able to execute. Because I expected Carnelosi's gas tank to be a little bit better later on because yeah. Angela Hill slows down. But New Mexico, I think, was an Angela Hill favor. I'm not I'm not so sure that it would have been as clear cut of a win for her had it been in Ohio or something. Maybe, but I also think that that other uh, woman has to work on her I don't know, her her arms were massive. Like that's a lot of lactic acid. Like I don't know. But she always has those arms in every fight. She, she I feel like in the other fights in the other fights I saw she looked a little more defined, a little bit a little Maybe bit right. like buff but like leaner Maybe muscle right. like Andrade. I felt like her arms were just like I thought she looked like a power lifter. Um Yeah, you, you might actually be right just looking at a couple of pictures of her, she looks a little more chiseled than I she thought looked. That, yeah. I, I didn't think she, she was bloated or or overate after the win. I'm not sure what it was. I I have I overate after the win. <laughs> I watched the weigh-ins um, and then I go overeat. Um, all right, let's get on to. Uh... <laughs> We're gonna take a break, folks. Uh, come back. Uh, done with UFC and ESPN Plus seventeen. We're gonna talk about UFC on ESPN Plus eighteen, where Hermanson goes up against Cannonier. A couple of badass motherfucking names in the main event, Nick. A middleweight matchup in the main event. Looking forward to breaking it down. The segment after that. We're going to talk about our bets. I didn't have a great night last week, Nick, unfortunately, but I'm hoping <laughs> to make it up this week. It's okay. I bought we'll a, I bought a stock that tank, so we're even. All right. Um... Good, good. I feel good about that, actually. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. We'll be back.
and we are back to the MMA Geeks podcast. Nick, we've got a pretty decent card coming up, considering it's in Copenhagen, Denmark. UFC on ESPN Plus 18, Hermanson versus Cannoneer. A decent middleweight matchup in the main event here. A couple of guys coming off of big wins over legendary Brazilians. Um, some meat on the bones with Gunnar Nelson, Gilbert Burns. Cleo Roundtree's coming back after that spectacular performance against Eric Anders. Uh, Mikhail Oleanchek, I'm always a, a fan of. I, I've been a believer in him for a little while now. Macy Chazon is on this one. Yeah. Piacassi versus Lando Venata. God damn it, there's some meat on the bone on this card, man. Not bad for a European card. Yeah, I'm, pre- I'm pretty excited. So the the main event is a you know it's a real contender fight. It's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that the winner of this fight um, you know gets a title shot. Like who who do we have at middleweight right now? We've got well Costa Costa should probably get the winner of uh, Whitaker Adesanya. Uh, you got you know you've got Gastelum um, floating around. Gastelum uh, Weidman's out of the division. Brunson's been doing really well lately. Rockhold's but out at of the, the very division. top. Someone at the top, you've got Romero, Gastelum. Uh, those are the guys above these two, above the winner of this matchup. Since Herman, oh, Ga- five, uh, so. Gastelum is fighting Till. Okay, that that's a little bit of a gimme for Gastelum, if you ask me. Considering Till's, uh, I, I think so too. I think so too. But um, a lot of people were surprised because uh, Dana White said he gave Till too much too fast, and now <laughs> he said that after. Uh, you know, after he lost those two fights in a row, so he moves up to middleweight, and they give him Gastelum, who's almost, well, who's arguably unknockoutable. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think Dana White's solution to "I gave you too much too fast" is I'm going to go ahead and still treat you like a prospect and give you some easy wins. His solution is I'm going to throw you to somebody that can benefit off of a win against you. Yeah, and that's exactly what what he's doing. It's not like Dana's like this heartfelt loving guy. I think I think looks I mean I got to believe that Kevin Gastelum's going to destroy Till, but that's another. Who, who knows? We'll talk about that when the, when the time comes. We got yeah, Madsen, so. but, who is on yeah. a crazy you know who's been on a hell of a run, um, you know an exciting run. I mean, really, we ended up with a class a, a class of up and coming middleweights that includes these two guys, um, who have kind of. Uh, you know, listen, graduating classes uh, happen pretty quickly in MMA. It seems like just yesterday that, you know, Yacare, Romero, Weidman, Rockhold, um, you know, uh, and Bisbing were, uh, you know, where the bells of the ball were running the division. And none of those guys are particularly relevant anymore. They've either moved on to different weight classes, had losing streaks. I would say Romero is still relevant. He's not exactly like... Yoel Romero hasn't been a gimme for anybody. Um, you know, Yacare isn't, you know, he's up He's up there in age. And we've got guys like, uh, you know, like Cannonier and Hermanson, um, who I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that they're stars, but they're in the, as, as Dana Waite would say, they're in, they're in the mix. They're probably, it's, it's po- very possible that the winner of this fight gets a title shot. It, at the very least, they've got a, uh, an elimination bout for the title shot. Um, if they win this. So they're either, you know, this is the fight or one after. I would have a really hard time arguing against any of that, and especially you had me at Bell of the Ball, Nick. How could I argue with that? I'm a master of alliteration. So uh, we got Jack against Jared. That's some more alliteration. See what I did there? Um, What do you, what do you, (laughs) I think, I think I I know what's going to happen in this fight, but you tell me. What do you think, Stan? So, a pretty interesting matchup. It's on paper a grappler versus a, a striker in this one with Jack Hermanson, known for his ferocious ground and pound and his pretty stellar 
arm and guillotine submission going against Cannoneer, who's known for his knockout power, his explosiveness. Um, both guys actually coming off of some pretty solid wins uh, with Jack Hermanson coming off of uh, uh, the Susan win, David Branch, Gerald Mirchart. Um, two of those were finishes, Nick. He submitted both two of those guys, and, and both of them have jiu-jitsu black belts, Mirchart and Branch. And then he looked really good against Souza. These are three uh, – this is actually four Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts that he just ran through in his last four fights, Nick. Arguably the scariest Arguably the scariest mount in MMA right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And also pretty scary if he has your back because he's going to switch to that army yeah. guillotine that only Ronaldo Souza has been able to get out from uh, lately. And Nick, he had to turn out to his back to do it. He barely survived that. Jacker Manson looked really good in that fight. But I will say, Ronaldo Souza looked like shit. He didn't yeah, look he very did. good at all. Hermanson put those numbers on him, and it worked. He was able to evade most of his heavy offense, and it worked out. Uh, he even looked solid on the ground against Ronaldo Souza. Um, I really do think that he's coming into his own ever since that loss to Thiago Santos. Now, you might ask yourself, what's the difference since then, right? He got he got kind of roughed up by Thiago Santos, who hits probably about as hard as Jared Cannonier, his opponent tonight, who's not necessarily known for his ground game, much like Jared Cannonier. Uh, Santos was able to, I think he hurt him in the bo- in, to the body in the very last few seconds of that first round of their bout and ended up finishing him that way. Apparently, uh, Hermanson has since gone out and seeked a sports psychiatrist, psychologist, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that's made a big difference for him. And I believe that, man. I think uh, the right mind frame can make all the difference in this sport. And he is 4-0 since then, three of them being uh, finishes on the ground against Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. Um, Jared Cannonier looked really good in that last fight against Anderson Silva, but I don't know if that says a whole lot. I don't he think it does. Smashed Dave, he, he smashed Dave Branch, and that's impressive. And that's ever since he came down to 185. He lost to Reyes and Blackowicz at 205 before that. Pretty high-level 205-pound opponents, uh, especially if you include uh, Glover Teixeira in there. I'm going to give the edge here to Jack the Joker Hermanson by a decent margin. I think he's going to have the ground game advantage by a big margin. I think he'll be able to take get takedowns more often than not. And I think that Jared has a shot to get a knockout here. Always, exactly. Especially since right. Jack Hermanson. Uh, Jack Hermanson has, has been knocked out before. Jared does a pretty good job of getting back up. He's recently added those devastating leg kicks to the mix, which might affect Jack Hermanson's footwork. It might affect his ability to move. Plus, let's face it, neither of these guys are spring chickens, but Jack Hermanson has a, a four-year age advantage. He's got two inches of reach uh, over Cannoneer. And I think he has the advantage in all all areas of grappling. I'm going with the Joker here, but in a five-round fight, Jared Cannonier, especially with such a great team as the MMA Lab, there's a chance that he might be able to pull something out here. I'm still giving the edge to the favorite in Hermanson. How about you, Nick? Yeah, I'm doing the same. My feeling is that I think if Cannonier is going to win this fight, he'll do so in the first 90 seconds. I think if if I think that once Herm- if Hermanson gets that first takedown. Um, I think that takes the, uh, and if Cannoneer survives it, I think that it takes the mustard out of the rest of his shots. Um, cause I think he'll be, he'll be very, very concerned, but he does look so muscular and so fast since, uh, you know, in, improving his fitness and getting down to 185. So, you know, her, her but I mean, Hermanson has been in there against, against some strong, fast guys before. Um, I could just see, you know, the kind of shot that like uh, Tyron Woodley landed on Robbie Lawler, um, landing on Hermanson, for example, and and closing this one out for Cannonier. But I think what's more likely is that Hermanson's patient, 
that he's crafty, that even if he takes a couple, um, you know, we're not talking, a, generally speaking, not talking about um, someone that's got one, like one shot, walk away, KO power. Um, it could happen, but it's not like Cannoneer's got, you know, a ton of like trademark, uh, uh, you know, KOs. So I think what's most likely is that Hermanson gets him down and has his way with him. And it's either he either gets a sub or it's it's uh, it's five rounds of uh, of top control and searching for a choke. I think a second or third round sub is likely. Yep. I think a late finish is likely, if not that, because Hermanson puts so many numbers up against Jacare. I think he'll certainly be able to replicate something like that if he doesn't get caught with a big shot early. Because Her- Hermanson, again, he has been hurt before. It's certainly possible. But Jared Cannonier gets taken down. He gets up well, but he does get taken down often enough. Marco Madsen versus Danilo Bellardo, Nick. Uh, a matchup between two UFC newcomers, and Marco- Mark Madsen is actually an Olympic silver medalist in uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. Uh, Stands at 5'10", 35 years old, Nick, not a spring chicken to be making his UFC debut. He trains at Extreme Couture, uh, despite the the fact that I believe he is Scottish. He's going up against Danilo, the Caterpillar, Belardo, who is 12-4 in his career. It's his second UFC fight, Belardo, because we we watched him fight against uh, Joel Alvarez. That's right. Uh, What do you think of the matchup, Nick? Um, I think this is a gimme for the hometown crowd. I agree. You know, it's uh, he fights out. Of, he fights out of Denmark. He's a wrestler. He's no spring chicken. He's thirty-five years old. Um, and how many, you know, how many successful Italians have been have been have showed up in the UFC? As I said before, my people have not fared very well in the organization. Uh, so I, you know, I think this is a. Unless there's a crazy fluke, this is Marco Madsen's fight to win by uh, probably just grounding it and, uh, you know, pushing his shoulder into the other guy's chin and punching his face in, maybe getting a stoppage from, like, side control or while he's turtled or something. Yeah, I, I can definitely see The that. other I mean, loss, by the way, decision. his other loss was, so he's fighting an Olympic silver medalist, and his other loss was by ground and pound. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that doesn't look very good. Danilo Bilardo, he actually relies on takedowns. He doesn't have very good stand-up overall, and he didn't look overall awesome in that Alvarez fight, but he was able to get takedowns and actually keep top control. If that's your strength, this is a terrible style matchup, sir. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving Mark Madsen the big edge here. The superior wrestler, look, is he, like, spectacular or out of this world? Not really. He's, like, he's a grinding wrestler for the most part. He'll, he'll who's, throw some who's hands. Thir- who's 35. 35-year-old grinding wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do wonder how much time he's had anywhere near the prime of his athletic career in order to learn all these new techniques that MMA encompasses. But yeah, Mark Madsen, this is a gimme, as you said. I expect him to run over Dinlil Bilardo. To be honest with you, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a dominant decision, but a, a TKO is certainly possible. Yeah, it's like Denmark saw Gregor Gillespie and was like, we want to we want to make we want to make a TV show of Gregor Gillespie. So now we've got Marco Madsen. That's that's right. They even have they yeah, even has alliteration. Gregor Gillespie, and Marco Mark Madsen. Like he's a remake. <laughs> he's a he's a Danish remake. Sure. Um, that's very funny. So uh, next, this is an interesting one because we got a replacement, uh, late replacement, Gilbert Burns. Who's he replacing? I forget. Yo, Tiago Alves. Um, yep. And this is a harder fight all of a sudden for for Gunnar Nelson, uh, slightly because he's fighting like a younger, you know, a. a a younger, probably faster at this point, 
version. Although Burns is 33, Thiago Alves can't has to be older than that at this point. We've been watching him for 73 years. He's only 35. That's incredible to me that Thiago Alves is only 35. I feel like I've been watching him I since I was two. He started. Um, he started in his early 20s. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, interesting, interesting matchup. Um, Gunnar Nelson at seventeen and four, fighting out of out of uh, Reykjavik against the Brazilian at sixteen and three. Gilbert Burns uh, coming up from uh, from lightweight. Um, what do you What do you think? This one, I had a really hard time with watching tape. I, I kept watching fight after fight. I, I I couldn't quite figure out which guy to give the edge to. I'll be honest with you, I would have been fairly comfortable picking Gilbert Burns had he not taken this fight on 13 days notice. Um, now, I, I know he did that for his last fight and came in on third, on something like two weeks notice against the otherwise undefeated 20-0 up until that night, Alexei Kunchenko, and beat him in a decision. He didn't look so good in that third round because he was exhausted, understandably, right? I, I can't really blame the guy for that given the short notice. I assume that he's staying in training camp, and, and, and I assume that he's doing some work even though he hasn't been training in the long term for this bout. He's going against Gunnar Nelson, who on different days can be hot and cold, Nick. Like, his his fight against Rick Story is still kind of hard to understand. Uh, he got knocked out of the first round against Santiago Ponzinibbio, and at the very least, that should be a competitive bout. Damian Maia, that's understandable. Of course, that loss. And Leon Edwards was able to kind of out-hustle and out-grapple uh, out him, oddly enough, and they're about. Um, it's not that Gunnar Nelson has, like, the best stand-up in the world by any means, but he does hurt guys because he, he kind of very Machida-like, lunges in with that clean uh, cross and and gets his opponent at just the perfect time as his opponent's kind of waiting in. Oddly enough, Gunnar Nelson is the younger guy here. I feel like we all feel like Burns is, is a fairly young prospect. But he's 33 years old, and Gunnar Nelson's 31. Gunnar seems to almost be more worn by age. But the people that Gunnar Nelson is losing to, Nick, are Leon Edwards, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and Damian Maya. In the last, what, four or five years. Gilbert Burns, you know, he'll lose to guys like Daniel Hooker, Michelle Pereiros. Uh, yeah, that's, the, that's the fight. fight that concerns me the most. Is the, uh, like, Michelle Pereiros is a very good grappler. He's like 5'6". I, but I think Gunnar Nelson's a better one. Yeah, I, I think Pereiros' takedowns are not as good as Nelson's. Agreed. But Nelson's actual submission game, once they're down there, is more dangerous. Yep. Um... Look, I, I think there's a lot that's in Gilbert Burns' favor here. He's way more active. He's, he's a way busier fighter. Um, he's going to be a little bit shorter here. And again, uh, coming in at 170, used to fighting at 155. But Gunnar Nelson's always been considered a small welterweight. I'm, I'm giving the edge to Gunnar Nelson because of the short notice and, and how good he might look in that third round, despite the fact that he doesn't always look great late. And I think that Gunnar Nelson should be able to get a take takedown in the first round. And score some points that way, and it's that middle round. I think that Durinio will be the most dangerous. I'm giving Nelson the edge here, but I can absolutely see Durinio landing either a big shot or scoring a decision by being more dynamic and more busy. What do you think? Yep, I don't have much more to say. I've got the exact same. I've got the exact same opinion, um, and I'm bummed that I do because that's three fights that we agree on. So I'm curious what's going to happen uh, in the next one. But why don't why don't you set the table for this next set of picks? Khalil Roundtree versus Ian Kutelaba. Roundtree at eight and three, Kute Laba at fifteen and four. Nick, this is a matchup between two explosive, hard-hitting strikers. Nine of the last nine of the last ten wins for Kute Laba came in the first round. Nick, 
and all five of uh, Roundtree's finishes were around one KO. So expect to see a finish here. This isn't super likely to go to decision, especially considering the fact that both of these guys are not known for the best gas tanks in the world. Khalil Roundtree's coming off a pretty impressive victory over Eric Anders, though. Uh, whereas Kute Laba has been experiencing a little bit more trouble lately and losing in a uh, fight that he was winning and almost destroying uh, Teixeira, uh, losing in that second round by submission. Who do you have in this one? Tough, tough one. Uh, one of the tougher fights to call. I mean, Roundtree looked amazing against Saki and really it just took Anders apart. Um, you know, Saki is, a tech, is like a, a great technical striker. Anders is not, but is very durable. Um, he had that loss to Walker, but so did a lot of people. I think he just caught him, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, and he had some other. You know, he had some early losses a few years ago, and he lost exhibitions when he was on the show. But he, uh, yeah, he looks real good. It's a t- darn. This is and he's and Kultiab is uh, younger. Um, but he hasn't been. We haven't really seen it. We haven't seen him get get KO'd uh, like we have Roundtree. I'm true. There's just something about the way that Roundtree put it together um, over the last year or so that um, makes me want to pick him. But this is going to, I feel like this is going to be a lot like the, um, oh, geez, who did he fight? This is like a Jim, like a Jimmy Manawa, like Anthony Smith or, or Tiago Santos kind of fight. Like it's going to be whoever it's, Someone's going to pull the trigger first. I don't know, but I'm going to. I think it's going to be Roundtree. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about Kute Labo, which I wasn't really clear on and I didn't really know about based on his style, apparently the guy's got like a Greco Roman background, also a combat sambo background. You would think he'd be pretty good at grappling. Um, I do actually think he's a pretty good wrestler. And I watched some tape, and, and this is the first time I've realized it. His fight against Kananir, Nick, he took him down at will, man. And, like, pretty technical takedowns, too. So he seems to have the wherewithal to realize. And, and he fought a couple of grapplers, three grapplers in a row since then. So very little reason to initiate those takedowns. Um, it does seem like the majority of his career has been against grapplers. And when he fought that almost exclusively striker in Jared Kananir, 205 pounds, back in 2016, he took him down a bunch of times, even though Kananir won that decision. Um, but Roundtree tends to get up fairly quickly. I liked his footwork in his last fight against Eric Anders, and Eric Anders is a takedown threat. I think Roundtree will be faster throughout the fight, and I think one of the major things that he was missing is, and that he picked up at Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand, is that he's now tempering himself more. He's not throwing these eight-punch combos the very first few moments of every goddamn fight. And he's extremely fast, Nick. It doesn't get any faster than Khalil Roundtree at light heavyweight or heavyweight or maybe even 185. Like, you will not find a single man that is faster than that guy. He's extremely fast, especially early in the fight. He does also get tired, though, outside of that Eric Anders fight. Um, I'm going to give Roundtree the edge here because I, I think he just looks so fast and so sharp in his last fight. But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets caught with a clean shot. He doesn't have a great chin. And he's very takeable downable. Ian Kutilaba has good takedown skills, as it turns out. He just hasn't been fighting a whole lot of strikers. Yeah. So I, I, I'm giving the extra round tree. I, I, I would not bet on this fight if my life depended on it, not at these odds. Oh, we've got the same fight, same pick again. Um, next, we got OSP at 23 and 13, a guy that never quite uh, 
you know, fulfilled athletic guy who came to the game late and, and uh, frankly hasn't gotten that much better since his strike force years, in my opinion. Um, I agree. And he's fighting, I'll never get this guy's name right, uh, Mikhail Olekshik. Oleksechik. Oleksechik. Yep. Oleksechik. It's kind of like Um, Yep. Who, uh, you know, OSP, not a, uh, you know, he's 36 now. Losses to Krylov, Reyes, Latifi. He did, he did uh, submit, uh, you know, Tyson Pedro, whose game is sort of raw. But, um, you know, fighting the against the Polish fighter um, who's got wins over Ante Gulov uh, um, recently as well as Gian Valanci this year uh, you know I think uh, I think it's I have a pretty good sense of what's gonna happen here but what do you what do you think is gonna go down I am a big believer in Mikhailo Luxechek I think he's a very 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 serious prospect in this division he's got heart He's, he's got punching power. He's got so much going for him, Nick. Uh, and, and I think that he's going to use his, uh, all of those advantages, Nick. His, his perseverance, the fact that he hits really hard, the fact that he's got a pretty good ground game, pretty good takedowns. Um, Mikhail Oleksiejczyk should do his thing in this fight. Yep. Ovin St. Pru hits really hard, and it's possible that he's going to catch him. Uh, he's got a three-inch height advantage and get this neck a an eight inch reach advantage so it's entirely possible that he catches him with that weird kind of switch hook that he threw against shogun and caught him early in the fight but i think mccall's smart enough to avoid uh that kind of a thing i'm a big believer in this guy i expect him to be in the top five of the ufc light heavyweight division soon and i think he's he's part of that new breed of light heavyweights except he's not being discussed enough because he has kind of this unassuming personality and he looks kind of a little bit doughy and soft i mean that matchup with him going up against Khalil Roundtree, you saw just this really soft, mellow guy going up against this chiseled monster of a man who is literally twice as fast. And Mikhail did his thing and, and, and out-hustled and outstruck and outdid him in that fight. I expect him to do the same here against a more skilled overall OSP. What do you think, man? Uh, same. I, exa- I mean, that's exactly where I, w- where I was going. So we've got a, you know, a bunch of fights we could probably zip through. But we got Cowboy Oliveira in what I think should be a, f- a fairly easy uh, win for him to pick up. Are you? Do you favor Nicholas Dalby in this fight? I actually do favor Nicholas huh. Dalby, Nick. Call me crazy. He you're, doesn't have the best chin in the world. You're crazy. But I, I, you're probably right. You're probably right. and it, it, You might be right. I, just watching tape on him, man, the guy has really good stand-up skills. He doesn't just back up when you blitz at him, which is what Alex Oliveira does really well. He moves laterally. Uh, he's got really good counters. He doesn't hit super hard, but lately he's been hurting guys and knocking them out. Granted, on on a, a lower level scene, but you know his opponents have pretty solid fucking records, Nick. So I'm giving him the edge here. I expect that Nicholas Dalby can out hustle Cowboy in the later rounds after having you know a, a first round that he loses because of some of Alex Oliveira's explosive big movements. But I wouldn't be surprised if Oliveira does his thing here again and explodes and finishes. Obviously, that's what you favor, Nick. Go ahead. Yeah, that's no, that's that's my pick. Um, no, I mean, not a ton else to say there. I'm a big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of Cowboy Oliveira. Next up, we've got John Phillips versus Alan Amadovsky. Matchup between two guys who own zero UFC wins thus far in their career. 
John Phillips is just kind of a stand-up striker, 21-9. Versus Zambodovsky, who is 8-1, has one loss coming in his UFC debut against Christoph Jocko. What do you think? I uh, In this fight, um, I've got uh, uh, Amadovsky because I thought that I didn't – it wasn't my opinion um, that in the Jack – in the Jack Marshman fight that uh, John Phillips looked like a UFC fighter, to be honest. Well, to, to be honest, you and I both kind of thought that Phillips deserved the decision despite the fact that he didn't get it. And that was one of the events you won. And it was, I think mainly because of that decision. Yeah, but it was not, fight. but it was not a good, I mean, it was not a pretty fight. You're right. It wasn't high level MMA overall. That's, yeah. They were both stand up uh, bombers. And Alan Abanowski, I'm not sure that he's much better than that, to be honest with you. Not much, um, but, but I, I think he's think, a little. I think he's a little better than that. He does have somewhat of a ground game, at least. And that may be enough against uh, John Phillips here. And here's the biggest factor, Nick. The biggest reason why I just can't pick John Phillips in this matchup. Do you know where he trains, Nick? With you? SBG motherfucking Ireland. Uh. One of the worst teams that for some reason has one of the best reputations. They've ruined Brad Katona, Nick. And I don't know that John Phillips was ever that good to be ruined. Alan Lemondowski is going to win this low-level MMA fight. I don't believe in either of these guys ever going far in this division. Next up, Nick, we've got a matchup between Alessio DeCherico versus Mahmoud Muradov. Mahmoud Muradov, uh, as a matter of fact, he's listed here as from the Czech Republic, but... One of the uh, one of the fights that I watched, he was he was discussed as an Uzbeki fighter, which is interesting. Uh, which means he might come from the same place that I come from, and if he's is in fact from Uzbekistan, this is actually yeah, a pretty he's, exciting he's, fight he's, on paper. He's born in a, he's born in Uzbekistan. He is born in Uzbekistan. Yeah, yeah. he's twenty two and six going against uh, uh, Alessio Decherico, who's twelve and three, coming off of a loss that, quite frankly, was a screw job in most people's opinions. Most people believe that he deserved that win over Kevin Holland. In which case, he would have been on a three-fight yeah. winning streak. But he's going up against a serious prospect here who is only taking this fight on like eight days' notice, to be fair. What do you think, Nick? <sighs> I mean, this is a this is a tough one because, for me, Muradov is still, uh, kind of, you know, comparatively um, an unknown. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna roll the dice on the on these Beck fighter uh, fighting out of the Czech Republic. Yeah, Mahmoud Muradov is a finisher. He's very fast. He's dynamic offensively. He does kind of a TJ Dillashaw kind of blitz, but he doesn't run at you in a straight line like Alex Oliveira. He takes angles with every one of his steps, uh, and he counters really quickly and really well. But he's taking this fight on only eight days' notice, and it's his UFC debut, going up against uh, Alessio DeCherico, who has legitimate UFC experience and a legitimately impressive UFC record. So I think it's a pick for that reason, despite the odds. Um, I'm giving uh, Mahmoud Muradov the edge because I think he's more talented and quite a bit faster, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's exhausted by the middle of that second round and Alessio DeCherico takes over and finishes later, gets a decision. Yeah. Uh, Sierra Bahardouzada versus Ismail Nardiev. I'm giving this to Ismail Nardiev, despite the fact that he got out grappled in his last fight. Yeah, he really, he really did. He, he did, and Ciara has done that to several guys before. I'm giving the young guy the edge just because Ciara has been less busy lately, and I, I'm really rooting for Nardiev. I think he's a dynamic, explosive kid. He's only 23 years old, Nick. 
he's a fucking kid, really, in, in the grand scheme of things, and he's just starting his career. He trains with Hard Knocks 360, and he is currently 18-3, and three, going up against the Jackson Wink MMA fighter, Baharduzada, who is 24-7. Um, although I was really um, let down that he got outgrappled so handily, I still thought that his, his fight against uh, uh, Michelle... Um, oh, my God. Yeah, Pizarro's was was pretty, you know, was pretty incredible. But the other thing is that, you know, since his three-year hiatus, Bahad Durzada just hasn't looked that good. I remember, I remember this, the pure, I remember when he melted uh, Paulo Tiago, you know, and I was like, this guy's got fire. And I just, I don't know. I think he, I think we've talked earlier about people who miss their windows. I think he kind of missed his window um, with that, you know, with that three-year hiatus that he took. And I think we got a kid coming up versus a guy that, is, you know, is uh, already peaked. So I'm going to pick uh, Nordiov. We are on the same page on that one as well. Uh, Giga Chikadze versus Brandon Davis. couple of strikers, 7-2 and two for Giga, 10-7 uh, and seven for Davis. Who do you got? Uh, I got Davis here. Um, you know, he's been active. I like him. I got Davis as well. I do. I do want to quickly mention Nick because because I, I did the math on this. Giga has a seven and two record, which is actually pretty solid, right? In MMA, his losses are against a ten and three guy and a four and one guy. And his wins, Nick, his seven wins, the combined record it, of all yeah. of his opponents, Nick, it's three and fifty-seven. The combined record of all of his opponents, all seven of his opponents have had a grand total of three wins before they fought him, and fifty-seven right. losses, Nick. That's how padded. This man's record is, but he does train with Kings MMA, and if, uh, if Brandon Davis is not smart enough to go for takedowns, he's probably going to lose the fight. Um, I think he'll, I think he'll know what to do. I'll be, I'll be very surprised. But I expect that as well, and I really do hope so. That's why I'm picking him. Uh, Macy Chazon versus Lena Landsberg. Macy Chazon's a very serious prospect at only five and zero. She's looked dynamic and explosive, and such a finisher in the UFC thus far. Going up against the more kind of fair weather Lena Landsberg, who is nine and four. Uh, kind of a journey woman in the UFC 135-pound division. I've got Chase on by a big margin. I'm a big believer in her. I was a believer in her since the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, she's one of the people that I call that that's very likely going to be champion in the near future. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. This is this is her fight to lose. Um, you know, yes, Landsberg did beat earlier this year Avenger, but Avenger has you know is is seriously uh past her prime and was also is also undersized for that weight class she doesn't really have a signature win um at 145 in the ufc lands you know doesn't and chase just looks terrific and in her last um was it the sarah morass fight there was one one of her recent fights either it wasn't the gina mazani fight i think it was a sarah morass fight she had just a little she found herself um, in a not terrific position, I think Morass maybe had her in Hackard. Maybe she had Mount, but yeah, she, she had, she a, got she had a little bit. She had a little bit of it. She had a little bit of adversity, and yeah. she she weathered it. Um, you know, she weathered it with no problem, and she just has she has great skills, great athleticism, and a serious killer instinct. Uh, she's a finisher, and uh, I think that that's, I think what probably what's going to happen is she's she's gonna she's gonna finish you know the thirty seven year old Landsberg. Same page. I didn't even realize Landsberg was thirty seven. Wow, that, that that is that is up there in uh, in in MMA years. I, I for some reason thought she was in her early twenty early thirties at worst. Twenty eight years old 
Macy Chase on is. She really is a blue-chip prospect, especially towering over everyone at 5'11 in that 135-pound division. She's probably got the perfect frame for the ideal fighter in the division and all the talent and skills and the power to go with it. Mark Diacosta versus Lando Venata. The people's main event. Yes, sir. The people's main event. Mark Diacosta, Lando Venata. I'm super excited. I still don't know who I'm picking. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have in this fight? I don't fucking and tell, know. Tell, you go first. Tell our I, dozens of listeners. Why is our, this so our, exciting? Our dozens and dozens of listeners. So Diacosta came off a pretty good win, but I do feel like it takes a certain kind of opponent for him to to win in a fight, right? He's got three losses in a row before that one win. Going up against Lando, like an opponent, an opponent, an opponent that stands there, like a, like a, like a, uh, like a striking dummy. I mean, it's, it's essentially, yeah. I mean, that's what Lando Venata got in his last fight was just like a purely a striker with no ground game. And Lando was smart enough to take him down and submit him. Can he do that against the Akase? I don't know, Nick. I think you should make this pick first. Go ahead. Akase is hard to say because. Well, he looked spectacular against low-level opponents, and then he looked not very good. And then yeah. he looked pretty good against Duffy, who couldn't get off and looked like he had lost a step. And right. since he came back from, was it was injury or suspension or whatever, had Duffy out. Um, you know, he hasn't really looked great since he got back. I think that was his, that was Duffy's second fight back, right? Because Duffy think- lost two since he came back. Um, I'm looking at his record now. Yeah, James. Vick yeah, he lost. No, he got. Yeah, but he got. He got knocked out by. Well, he got knocked out by Vic, and, and then, then he was out for. Off. And then he took a long time off. Yeah. Uh, and came back and didn't look uh, great. And he was winning that Vic fight until he wasn't. Um, but, you know, it's hard. And Venata is one of these dynamic, exciting fighters who, is the problem with him is I think if he's fighting a top fifteen or uh, opponent. The fight just is going to be just as competitive and exciting as if he's fighting a top thirty opponent. He just, uh, you know, he kind of fights to the level of his competition. So I, I, I really don't know what's going to happen here. I guess if push comes to shove, I think that Venata's more well rounded and is and is going to hopefully know enough to not let, uh, you know not be like a Terry Adam to uh, Daikisi's um, Edson Barbosa, but uh, anything can happen. But I guess right now I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Venata because I think that the last uh, Mark Daikisi fight was more about Joe Duffy than it was about him getting his shit together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear where you're coming from there. And you might be right about that. Tough call though. I, I have no idea if I'm right. It I'm is just, funny, I had, funny enough. Nick. I, I picked cause I had to pick something. Both of these guys are two and five. Uh, I'm sorry, two and three in their last spot. So pretty similar. And well, in Venata also has two draws in there. Oh yeah, two draws in that. That's a that's a fair point actually. That that, that makes him look a little bit less unsuccessful, I suppose. Um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go with Diakasi. It'll add another fight that we disagree on. He's a year younger. He's an inch taller. I like. I feel like. Lando Venata tends to get tired later in a fight because he's so dynamic and explosive early. And I don't know how fresh the Akasi looks late in fights either. So in that way, they're kind of similar. Both pretty flashy strikers. I'll go with the Akasi. It's tough, man. Is I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll be, but two guys who lost to Jakar close. Um. Yeah, which, which isn't saying a whole lot. Well, Lando also lost to David Teamer, which makes me more concerned. Nick, I, I do want to quickly mention one thing that I forgot to mention and my breakdown of the Nicholas Dalby versus Alex Oliveira fight. Um, Nicholas Dalby's losses, right, that kind of ran him out of the UFC, 
He came into the UFC with like a really good record of like 13-0 or 14-0. Nick, he beat Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos in his UFC debut. That's pretty yeah. good. And then he went to a draw with Darren Till in his second uh, UFC fight, right? Darren Till was seen as a serious prospect at the time before he was kind of washed down a couple of levels. And then he lost to Zach Cummings, Peter Sabata, and Carlo Pedersoli. Nick, do you know what all three of these fighters have in common, including Darren Till? All four of those fighters in which he failed to score wins in his UFC career, they're all southpaws, Nick. Oh, look at you. It's fucking fascinating. So he's not fighting a southpaw in this case, which is part of the reason I gave him the edge. And again, that Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos win, it's fucking impressive. I don't like his chin too much here, um, but but he's, he's pretty technical. He, he definitely is on the wrong end of a chin and power matchup, though. Uh, the last fight on the card, Nick, Jack Shore, 11-0 versus Nolan Hernandez, 10-3. and Who do you got, motherfucker? I'm going with uh, I'm going with Jack Shore in this one, except I cannot currently remember why. <laughs> He's actually 12 and 0 as an amateur and 11 and 0 in his pro career. Goddamn impressive record, Nick. But he's going up against the. Guy oh yes, who... yeah, yeah. He be... yeah. I did watch some of his Cage Warrior footage. Right. Um, and he's got. Um, yeah, he choked out Scott Malone. Um, he had two wins by strikes. Uh, he's been active. He has a win over Von Lee. Who is a UFC veteran that beat Kid Yamamoto? Uh, rest in peace. Um, yeah, I liked uh, I liked Shore, and, which, and he's uh, he's yeah he's a UK guy, um, fighting you know fighting an American uh, who's coming over. So much further, much further trip for uh, Hernandez coming out. Oh, he's AKA, but coming out of Gilroy, California, uh, to go all the way over to Copenhagen. Much, much further than the, the couple of hours that Jack Shore is going to have to travel. Yeah, um, I like Jack Shore in this one as well. And the, Jack Shore gets all of his wins and all of his finishes, it seemed like, from mount or back control. And I don't know that it'll be that simple against Nolan Hernandez. He's pretty dynamic on the feet, and I think he'll have, probably have the edge there. He's a bigger guy here, too. I know he's only a one-inch height advantage, but he's, he seems like just a bigger guy. These guys are 24 and 25, very similar record, 10 and 3 versus 11 and 0, very similar number, similar number of fights. I can absolutely see Nolan Hernandez picking up a win here. I do think, you know, Jack Shore has been mostly fighting kind of younger guys, less experienced guys, and Hernandez had some really good moments against Chico Vera, who's Marlon Vera, who's, who's, a, who's a very high-level bantamweight. We all know this. Um, I'm giving the edge to Jack Shore because he's got like 25 fights, if you can't, or 23 fights if you count his amateur record. Um, and he's undefeated through all of that. The guy just like wins, no matter what he wins. He has had yeah. some rough moments against you know guys that aren't exactly on UFC level, uh, and so I, I can certainly see Hernandez, who's a talented guy in his own right, with a great team behind him and AKA coming out with a win here. Not necessarily a fight I would bet on, but should be an interesting matchup between a couple of prospects. Nick done with UFC on ESPN Plus eighteen. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk about my unfortunate betting situation last week. Those goddamn draws killed me, Nick. And we're going to talk about our betting prognostication for UFC on ESPN Plus 18, the card that we just broke down. We'll be back, folks. Are back, Nick. Going to talk about my betting recommendation, at least for UFC and ESPN Plus 18. We can discuss our bets from last week. I know you put a bet down 50 bucks on Yaya Rodriguez. That fight didn't pan out. Then you had a three-fight parlay. Two of those fights didn't go your way. 
Not a great night for you, Nick. Not a great night for me either. You know, I, I won on Esparza. I should have won on Brandon Moreno. I should have won on Rodriguez. Bravo came under for me with a 40 buck bet. And my parlay of Aldana and Eubanks didn't work out either. I can't remember how much I'm down, Nick, but it's under 100 bucks. It's not a bad loss at all, but didn't work out well. I could have really used that Rodriguez and Moreno win, which, you know, I, I still I still think both of those fights would have gone my way had those judges been doing their goddamn job, at least in one of those cases. So the bets for this next... Man, event, man, man. What? <laughs> what? Nothing. I'm sorry. I was clearing my throat. I was clearing my throat. All right. It was, it was a very unusual sound to make as you clear your throat, Nick. Bullshit. <laughs> And are, are you, are you, was that just a cough? Just an innocent cough? Is that what that was? So, yeah. um, I actually don't see a whole lot of great betting opportunity for this one, Nick. I didn't for last week, and maybe I should have stayed away. For this one, I don't see a whole lot of straight bet opportunities, but I do see some favorites that I really like and that I'm pretty confident in. Those favorites are uh, Medan, that, that Olympic wrestler, uh, Mikhail Oyanchuk, Nardiev, uh, Muradov, that Uzbeki fighter, and Macy Shiazan. So I'm going to put together a couple of these names to make for some interesting parlays. First parlay is Oleksiejczyk and Chason. These are the two people that I'm most confident in. Obviously, Oleksiejczyk could get caught by OSP. That's always possible. But combined, those two fighters come out to minus 132, Nick. That's almost even. I like those odds. I put 200 bucks down on that one. Nardiev and Muradov, who combined for odds of plus 162, I'm going to put 100 bucks on that. And I also recommend a parlay essentially the same as the first parlay I offered with one addition. Oleksiejczyk, Chiazan, and Medan, that Olympic wrestler. Uh, combined odds yep. on that one are plus 101, and I recommend 50 bucks on that. Only a few parlays in this one. That'll be all for, for my picks in this one, Nick. So did Conor McGregor do anything crazy this week? Did he, like, smack his grandma on the ass on Instagram or something? Any any news from that? No, I don't, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think... If, if he's smart, he's not going to talk, and he's going to train to fight Justin Gagey because that's the fight everybody wants. And if he he's... needs he needs a he needs a win to be relevant again. He needs to either put down Poirier a second time or beat Gagey. And I'll tell you, I don't know if I, I don't know if I pick him in either of those fights. Yeah, I I don't think that he would fight Gagey. I think it's going to be somebody much more beatable for him. It seems like John Kavanaugh, the my idea of a fraud when it comes to MMA coaches, not because he's not a smart guy, but because he's a shitty coach. Yeah, well, he, fighter, he wants Edgar. He wants Edgar, and he wants the 130 fucking five pound Edgar when Conor McGregor's recently fall at 170. God damn it, John Kavanaugh. Stop fucking picking and choosing McGregor's career. I know it's what led to his success to begin with, but that is some goddamn bullshit. Calling him out, you suck as a coach, and you need to believe in your fighters and maybe let them train with better coaches, god damn it. Sorry, it was it was my uh, yeah. Was my rant I mean, for the listen, week. I want I want Frankie to get a payday. I just don't. I don't. Uh, I don't like that fight for him. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, that's I like, a bullshit. I, Look, it's I'm, a good I'm point. It would Fra- be a payday. I'm, listen, if Frankie wants if Frankie wants the payday, that's great. But he's taken a lot of damage in his career. He's fought a lot of bigger guys. He didn't look. Uh, he didn't look. He looked. He held his own against Max, but it was it was a pretty dominant. Uh, you know. It was a pretty one-sided fight. I do have to ask you, Nick, what happens when McGregor can't finish Edgar in the first or second round, is exhausted in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds, and Frankie Edgar is still throwing 60 shots a minute? It's possible, dude. It's fucking possible. I'm not saying I'm I'm officially picking uh, Edgar in that matchup, but it's fucking possible given just the stylistic matchup, just the fact that Frankie Edgar's... It's possible. Frankie gets tagged a lot. 
but we'll, we'll see what happens. He, he does, and that is concerning. That's why I'm hoping that his game plan includes staying the fuck away for about a round, round and a half. Because that really yeah. is part of the key to beating McGregor. Because McGregor, let's face it, he's an expert at beating shorter wrestlers. That he's made he's made a career of it. Like more recently against guys like Alvarez, you know, making him look like a fool, quite frankly, and, and and that always hurts. And I would hate to see Edgar look like shit. But if Edgar can make two million dollars out of this and maybe come back and win another two fights at 135 and then move on with his life, I'd be okay with that, man. I wouldn't mind him getting a payday that would prevent him from having to fight another six or seven times. Yeah. Even if he gets knocked out. Because he has a chance at scoring the biggest fucking victory of his career. And that should be his absolute retirement fight if he can get that victory. Yeah, you know what? I ta- You and I have talked myself into it, Nick. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you're right. I think I'm, I'm interested now. I, just, I hate to see Frankie lose two big ones on his, you know... I know. We'll see. I know that would that, that would that would we'll hurt see. me too. But I mean, that said, of the choices, like of him fighting Connor and retiring versus him trying to go up the ranks in 135 against all those fast guys, um, those fast younger guys, I guess I'd rather have watch him fight Connor than go, you know, go home. Let me ask you an important but, question, Nick. Uh, when watching yeah. Frankie Edgar, whether it be an interview or a fight, when he's coming into the ring or when he's literally exchanging fisticuffs, do you ever just get this urge to want to hug him? No. Oh, right. No, me, me, but he's me, my favorite me fighter. I mean, I thought... Me, me neither. Yeah. I, I, I don't want yeah. to Frankie Edgar. I don't know why you bring that up. That was super weird. I'm not going to ask any questions about this, because frankly, I don't think I can handle your answer. I, I'm not sure what you mean. I, 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 I agree with you. I wouldn't want to hug him either. I know. It. I worked his nickname in as a pun to make it even more awkward. You know what? We're just going to call it a show. I would want to nuzzle my cheek against his neck, though, just one time. Jesus Christ, Sam, stop it. <laughs> uh, Nick, another good one in the books. I expect to be nine up over you after this one. Uh, but uh, Nick, the office stands. If you can, if you can go undefeated on an event, if you can win. If you can pick every fight correct on an event, Nick, it counts as two wins for you. Two. I don't. I don't need your charity. It's not charity, Nick. It's goddamn impressive, and that deserves it. Pull it off. <laughs> <laughs>